glad you could join me. I am going to put out this episode because it is October and I love paranormal romances and I love that kind of stuff. So throughout the month, you'll probably get a bonus episode here and there and you'll get at least two episodes because it's my favorite, favorite genre. And I actually want to talk to you guys about, I have a Patreon for this podcast, but I don't know if anyone's interested in it. I've been trying to kind of gauge to see what people were wanting and what they were interested in, and I'm not really sure still. So if you want to contribute, it's totally on board and cool. If not, it's okay, because right now there's not a whole lot to add to it yet. I'm kind of doing this in between not having internet at home, so it's kind of more of a issue. But what I want to do is, is one of the first things I want to do is get a real mic for you guys, so you don't have to like blow out your ears every time I speak aloud. You know, maybe consistent equipment may help things along the way as well. So it's at patreon.com slash damsels podcast, like everything. There's a couple of different levels. On one level, you get a shout out. On another level, you get access to things that like bonus episodes. Because I've already recorded one, I just haven't had a chance to edit it yet. Um, and then there's other ones where you can like suggest a book. And the idea is just to kind of create a a way of you guys to interacting because if you're going to listen to me you might as well get something out of it i mean besides just my amazing voice i mean i know it's the best thing ever but still i'm pretty sure you guys want to talk about something important every once in a while and literally it's mostly at this point just to get a better microphone for you guys <laughs> um anything else would be to pay for the cast which is so i can do interviews and i can have more guests which is like ten dollars a month but i just there are some things that kind of eat into my very small budget and so I'm trying to be transparent with everybody when I can. So if you want to contribute, yay! If you don't, completely cool. Like, I'm easy peasy of this. Okay, so that little <laughs> PSA is over with. I've been debating about putting it up for a while. Because the Patreon has been live, available for a couple weeks. I just haven't actually said anything about it yet. Also during this episode, I'm going to talk about werewolves. Sorry, I'll be quiet now, but yay! Um, and so I want to give you guys a heads up that I'm a total nerd when it comes to this stuff, so if I, if I bring stuff up, that's why. The post that goes with this will probably be a little bit later because, again, I've got a very finite amount of time in, in libraries between my working schedule because my working schedule is not always consistent with getting to the library at a decent time. But it will be coming up soon. The episode will be up probably before the, that was. That is. But I want to get that up as soon as possible because I like it when you guys have something to read besides, you know, the book that I'm talking about. Okay, on to the show. <laughs> so today we are discussing Mating the Huntress by Tala Hibbard. I'm so sorry if I said your name wrong. I have got like the worst name abilities with that one name. Like it just kills me every time. I should just have my fiance do it since she's in the bonus episode as well, by the way, this the author. I should just have him do it for all the time and just have a masculine voice just boom it out every once in a while. But it's about star-crossed lovers. One is a curmudgeonly house-like type artist and the other one is a huntress that's really pissed off that she can't hunt. I mean, it's like awesome. It's like right up my alley. Okay, so here is the basics. She's in her 20s. At her birth, there was an oracle that said that the first kill will rub out her own heart. 
which obviously if you're from a family of hunters, you go, oh shit, what the fuck? So you kind of let her be a, let her be like a watcher almost. <laughs> and the fact that she's part of the, she's part of the clan, she's part of the family, she's part of it, but she's not. And so chastity, a doflu, again, it's a guess. Um, one of the best things about her, though, is that she's very, like, prickly, which is standard for Hibbert women, by the way. Prickly is right up their alley, and I love it because sometimes you don't want, like, a all-sweetness-and-light character. But she's also very determined. Like, she's got a single-mindedly focus to get her first kill, even if her, even if her like, siblings and her parents don't want her to. She's like, damn it, I'm going to do it. And I love that because it's always a good idea. But she's also really agile. And I don't just mean, like, physically agile, which, I mean, she has to be if she's training with everybody else. But also, she's able to mentally change her mind from that hyper-focused determination to going, hmm, some of this doesn't add up. Some of this is not adding with what we've been told. Some of this is missing because throughout the throughout the generation, some information has gone missing. So these guys are hunting animals, but they don't know all the information. And so, you know, her mom later on says knowledge is power, basically, and it's true. And so she's able to bring that to the family without not even noticing a lot of stuff. And I, I honestly couldn't find anything negative about Chaz, and that's rare for me. But I, there was just, there wasn't a lot because so well matched the protagonist, Luke Anthony, that it it worked. You know, like, it, it was a good balance. So I didn't really have anything negative to say about that. And I will say I wish that she had a little bit more friends, a little bit more, you know, camaraderie. Because they own a bakery and a coffee shop type thing. And I wish that, you know, there'd been, like, some maybe some conversations about the interactions between, like, her and another woman customer or just something to kind of go outside her family circle a little bit. Because I think that's important in establishing more about the character just because that's the kind of reader I am. But I love the fact that all her <laughs> all her 14 siblings have got like virtue names. There's Victory, Valor, Justice. I keep hoping there's a temperance in there. And I really, really want a prosperity just so she can go by Perry with an I. Because I just, why not? I just like those kind of names. I think this may be a standalone novel, though, so I'm not sure if we're ever going to get any more, but I really liked the first attempt at Paranormal that was written in this form. I, I definitely liked it. it. It read a little bit like, um, obviously, again, her Ravenwood series with Ruth and Hannah, but also it read, it reminded me a little bit more of, like, um, Mary Janice Davidson or Linda Wisdom or these kind of, like, you know, a little bit more fun. Not so much the rom-com side, which, you know, those other ones write more of, but more of the, it was a little bit more balanced, you know, like it was a little bit more funny and it was a little bit more, it wasn't a whole lot of like mess. And then when you get to Luke Anthony, he's a werewolf and there's a lot of information, but I'm kind of like focusing on certain things. And one of them is that I couldn't hate him. I tried. I was like, does he do this? No, like, I mean, like this guy's huge into consent. Like, how can you not like someone that is not willing to talk about, like, what changed, what happened, you know, what does he, what does he need, what does he want, and what does she need, and what does she want, and it's just this great representation of a guy giving a shit, which, you know, in the current times of America, and this is set in England, but in other parts around the world, it's kind of like following America's dumbass example, so it's kind of like the orbiting on that one. 
uh, it's very nice to see someone offering conversations about consent and, you know, what is this? What is that? There's a lot of give and take in that. And I, I just, I liked him. Like, I, I think that he was a nice balance. Um, it, There's not really a lot of family members for him because they're, Wares in this world are kind of mostly solitary, but he's got a mom and a dad, and his mama is more dominant than his daddy, which, again, I like because I'm from the South. But I definitely like the fact that it's not a big deal to him that, you know, who's more dominant. It, it just kind of is. It's not a it's not a statement against anything that someone else is doing or anything along those lines. And, I mean, he and his mom had a incident during the falling out when he was going through a rampaging rampaging murderous teens early 20s not so great but i mean he was eating rapist and he was eating you know like near to well so hey hey thanks for doing the job for us so <laughs> for the romance part of this so for the meet cute it doesn't really happen until the first chapter um there's an incident in the in the prologue that sets it up but what happens in the the meet cute is it kind of like luke's point of view indicates he's been stalking chastity for about a month or so since he caught her scent. So Mr. Antisocial goes to her family's coffee shop, tries to be inconspicuous by only ordering like six sandwiches for a single person instead of like the 10 or 12 it would take to really fill him up. And he eventually works up the nerve to ask her out. And she's realized that Luke's totally in the uh, the way into the family business because she's uh, obviously he's a werewolf. And, you know, a stalking werewolf usually means a kill and the chance to get over the dreaded prophecy that she'll break, aces. And so there's a lot of back and forth. So he finally does a little bit of looking and he finds all these Googled how to like not scare a, a human woman and ask her on a date. And like the results were not that good. But I liked that. I thought that was a cute little like line in there to kind of indicate what was going on. There's a lot of chemistry between them. And I don't just mean sexual chemistry either. There's a lot of just chemistry. Like you can, you can watch them kind of like develop over a little bit of time because this takes place in about a month. And there's only, like, maybe about, what, a week or so, I think, between all of this, maybe less. But you can watch them kind of reevaluate and see what they're looking for and what's going on. And I think that's really important because it kind of makes the story a little bit more fun to read. You know, it's a paranormal, so it's not going to be completely, you know, in the realm of reality. But there's a little bit of give and take and, and understanding and, I mean, there's a lot of the sexings and the panty times and, you know, and while she wanted to slay the beast, literally, like, she was getting him revved up while, you know, she was going to kill him. Sticks a knife in his chest. They have this huge fight. Like, I'm imagining, like, that scene in Buffy when, like, I don't know, they tear the heart, the house apart. That kind of idea. Um, but getting the feelings was an unwanted complication. But it really kind of worked because, again, that consent thing goes on. It was like there and it was always a yes or no like there was it you couldn't say yes and then forever it was yes it was okay this is yes now is it yes later double checking there was just a lot of that and i think it was really important because of the weird dynamics of being hunter and and prey because who was who in that time and in that moment but i also appreciated the fact that like after she tried to kill him she stayed with him and make sure he was okay because she realized that you know there's little things that he does that that don't match up with what they think like he's an artist i'm not gonna tell you what he does but he's an artist and so it's really interesting to see her kind of having to recatalog and re re put everything together and it really works out and i also appreciated the fact that he was actually a virgin because you don't really expect that but like all of a sudden he's getting a heart on because he smelled his mate and he's going the hell is this 
But he's willing to ride with it. He's willing to go with it, whatever. He's doing, like, research to see how everything is going, you know, what about... And it's just, it's really nice because she knows herself because of her, her own past sexual encounters. But, you know, he also knows himself a little bit because he's figuring it out as they go. And it's nice to watch that kind of chemistry together. And then I really like this one line because he goes, this is one of the cuter moments in, the, in their relationship is, of course, you have to give the huntress a good talking to before he thanked her. It's very rude to invade a man's forest and try to murder him. He understood the impulse. He was, after all, a slathering beast in the darkness and a denizen of evil. But he couldn't condone the random slaughtering of any species as a matter of principle. And this is actually talking about part of the prologue. But what's interesting is, is you know, he says all this, but he talks about going out in the forest and, like, eating a rabbit. You know, apparently rabbits don't count. It was just a really funny moment. And, of course, they get there happily ever after because it's a romance novel. But it's really interesting to watch how they kind of become in this one little area. Now they kind of kick up and find their balance rather rather well, actually. And then there's a few favorite scenes. When he's attempting to flirt with her, there's this great line from her point of view. The bloody nerve of this, this monster to flirt with her. She flashed him a smile that was more bearing of teeth and said, my main problem is biting, actually. He choked on a mouthful of cupcake. Because imagine being a werewolf and having some having someone say that. Especially since he's fallen for the um, persona she puts on about being shy and quiet and all these kind of things. And obviously she's not. So it's kind of like this big rearrangement of his head of like, oh, oh. I love that moment. It, just, it works out really well. I, I, and I also like the scene where they're working out the boundaries of the relationship. Because she says they don't have one. So he just smoothly says, friends? And she's like, er, Okay. And so she goes to his house to bake cupcakes and, you know, it's this nice little reality of, you know, he, he inserted that little comment about, you know, mating forever, basically. And she's like, no, but friendship is good. So later in the scene, he's whisking the batter to death because she's going to make him some cupcakes. And it's because apparently his mate wanted minimum lumps in the batter. Therefore, he would eliminate all lumps. It's that simple for him. And I, I love that kind of camaraderie and that kind of, okay, I can do this. I can make this easier. This is good. Of course, later on, she dumps the batter on him and then they go have crazy sex times. But in between there, they are talking about like his murdering rampaging. And he opens up the whole eating rapist and near to wells, you know, to curb his need for bloodlust. And when, when she shows concern, he's pleasantly surprised. I'm just fine, sweetheart. I dealt with my issues a decade ago. Now, that line personally has messaging to me, even though, like, there's no way Hibbert knew this, but my guy, Sven, guy who's been on the podcast before, had a lot of issues in his teens and early 20s. And I met him five years ago. So before that, he had gone through therapy. He had gotten a lot of this stuff done. And it had taken about a decade. So for me, this is a great little line that would probably not ring for anybody else. But literally that decade line just made me go, Oh, because, you know, she talks about a girl like her, which is a bonus episode. And he talks about, she talks about the word kitten and that relates again to us. And there's all these little things that she does that kind of just call back. And I, I appreciate those kind of human moments, but it, it just, it speaks to me and that made me laugh. Now, will I reread it? Obviously, but probably during Halloween, right before, um, it's a quick read. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's, it's fun just to kind of like lose yourself in. And I'll probably be reading it on Halloween, in fact, because we don't get any trick-or-treaters here, like, ever. So I can just eat my candy in peace. And my half of the house is dark anyway because the electricity doesn't work on those sides, so no one will know I'm here anyway. But I just think it's really great. I think it's funny. It's charming. It's 
fun, you know, and you, you just want a fun read at this time of year. Now, do I like the author? Nah, of course not. I've only read three of her books in the past, like, month. So, yes, I like her. I think that Hedberg does a great job of writing women. I think she does a great job of writing the complexities of women and the way they are all very different. And we all have our different personalities and no person is exactly alike. And I appreciate that. Like, in the case of... Chaz's family, Vicky, her sister, Victory, is very different. You know, they're not the same. Like, Victoria is much more grr. And, you know, Chastity's on her way from being there, but she's still not quite as grr. So there's a little bit of going on with that. And so I appreciate that. And I definitely want to read her some more. And I encourage y'all to read her because she's great. I think you can only buy her books on Amazon, which may be a deal breaker for some of my listeners, but I wanted to give you that heads up so that way you can know where you stand on that. But I seriously would encourage you to read her because she's really good at what she does. You know, everything is different. And one thing I actually didn't mention about the, the book this time is, is Chastity is black. Luke is white. And that's very much a theme within Hibbert's work. There's a lot of, and she calls them interracial romance complexities, but she doesn't make it a major focus. You know, like she talks about being a black woman, but she doesn't focus on necessarily this or that. Like it's it's all incorporated into the story. In many ways, this is an own voice story, I think, and that should be highlighted and noted. So, recap. Read Mating the Huntress. I kept calling it Mating His Huntress, but that's just because I'm me. But reread that and reread it and reread it again because it's her first attempt and I think it's a very good one. Chastity is a badass. She is somewhat like Dawn and Buffy. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that she's kind of working her way up to being on the same level as Buffy. You know, like she's doing like, and her, in this case, Chastity's older siblings. I think that Luke is an amazing male protagonist. I think that he really works for the story. And I think that I would encourage you to read it and kind of laugh at some of his understandings of human versus werewolf life, the different cultures involved in all of them, in all things. So that's my wrap up. Okay, today's featured podcast will be mythical. <laughs> it's a new indie podcast and it's about folklore and fairy tales and talking about them and in this season the narrator which is the host she goes by the narrator and she's an interrupted narrator she's doing the Grimm's fairy tales from the first edition of the book so she also will go through it she'll read it and she interjects her little information which is a very interrupted narrator idea which I love if you've ever read Mulan Kundera, you know exactly what that kind of person is. But I like the fact that, you know, she's very involved and she has her statements and yet she still has no problem reading it. She does voice work, you know, she kind of creates this little narrative that you can enjoy. After she gets done reading the first edition, she'll actually talk about the differences in the different ones. And I picked her for this one, for this episode, because she's actually done one for Little Red Riding Hood already. And... I think that it kind of relates, obviously, but I think it's definitely something you should listen to and you should enjoy. And the episodes can range from like around anywhere from like 10 to 30 minutes. It just depends on the story and it depends on what's going on. I would definitely encourage you to, to listen to it. She's found on Twitter at Mythical Podcasts, and you can probably talk to her more there because I think that seems to be her major quick point of viewing. Um, 
If you want to listen to her, I highly recommend it. And it's under Mythical Podcast. And you'll know which one it is under iTunes because it'll say the narrator instead of someone's name. Give it a listen. Enjoy it. And let her know she's doing a really good job because I think she actually is. Okay, guys. That's it. We're done. We made it. Yay. And it's like under 35 minutes, so even better. Thank you guys for listening. Please enjoy your holiday season because to me this is a October season is a holiday season. It is my fiance's favorite holiday of the year after all. Give Mythical a listen. If you want to listen to me talk some more, I have a couple more episodes coming up this month. And if you guys want to donate, it's at patreon.com slash damselspodcast, like everything. And you can find me on Twitter. The best place to actually to get in touch with me is Twitter at damselspodcast, because I'm original. And thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have any questions or you want to talk to me, please get me on Twitter, please. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.